Ion 2020 episode 258. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. And the day has finally arrived, the day that we've all been waiting for. And that is the Iowa caucus. That is today. That's right. If you have not been paying attention to politics at all, then uh, this might surprise you. But yeah, we're finally here. Uh, I have been doing this show for over a year now, and it really has just been weighing on me just following the politics that goes along with this entire election process, right? It really has. It's just, it's to me, it seems like the Democrats are just peddling, like they're just on this race to see who can give away the most stuff that could peddle the most stuff, buy the most votes. That's how it seems to me. Don, you know, Elizabeth Warren is trying to one-up Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is trying to one-up Elizabeth Warren, and then everyone else is trying to figure out ways to still give away just as much stuff as Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, but in a more uh, middle ground way, you know, they're all trying to do that. That seems like what every single one of the politicians that's still in, you know, that's still running, that's what it is, so... They're just trying to buy the votes and get as many people to, or promise as much stuff to as many people as they possibly can so that they can get that particular group to vote for them. Like, we're going to increase teachers' pay to $60,000 a year, guaranteed to start. We're going to guarantee medical benefits and health care. We're going be- to guarantee the help you with more welfare services. We're going to help you with more child care services. We're going to give you free college tuition. Just get out there and vote for me. That's what it seems like they're all trying to do. And some of them probably come at it from a heartfelt perspective. Like Bernie Sanders is a true believer in this socialist view that he has, right? He is a true believer in it. He's been a socialist since the 60s, maybe even longer. I don't know. So I mean, he's a true believer in this stuff. Every time he talks, he feels the same way. And you hear the same you know, stump speech generally every single time. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and the, you know, that's in the the top one tenth of one percent don't deserve to have fifty percent of all income in America and all you know all this stuff right. So they all want to take as much wealth away from the rich as they possibly can and redistribute those to whoever they say the poor. But we all know the reality is is whenever the government steps in and do something like that, it's bureaucrats that make the decisions on who's going to take money from who, and bureaucrats are the ones that make the decisions about where that money goes and where that money gets to spent. And it's the politically well-connected that get it, the people that can pay off a politician and get a tax break. Those are the ones that are helped out. It's just that it leads to blatant corruption across the board when you have the government doing more stuff and being in charge of more and more stuff. There is an argument for limited government because of that. So that's what this entire Democratic race has meant to me for the last year when I started doing this show. Elizabeth Warren comes out. She had a little bit of hype behind her. People liked her. She really did sail through the summer and into the fall looking pretty good. But by about September, they start seeing that she has weaknesses. 
she starts trying to explain her plans. She has a plan for that. And I think her Medicare for all plan is what kind of sunk her. She kind of, the wind went out of her sails because she couldn't really explain it. And she wouldn't answer the question on stage is what it was. There was a question asked to her about how is she going to pay for it? Are they going to have to raise taxes? And she would not answer the question. So she was perceived as being politician-y. She was perceived as being dishonest. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, is like, oh yeah, we're going to raise taxes on people. Of course, but your out-of-pocket expenses overall are going to be even, and some people are going to even you know, save on their health care because of that. So at least Bernie Sanders was being honest, and that's what people perceived it, and that's where people started to move away from Elizabeth Warren and move towards Bernie Sanders. So going into the election, going into the caucuses tomorrow, not the election, the caucuses tomorrow, I've been trying to read a little bit about the caucuses and see how they work, okay? It's actually happened today because I record this the night before on Sunday evening and I release it Monday morning. But I was doing a little research on the caucuses that are going on today and just trying to figure out exactly how they work. And this is, it's different than than the way the election an election works, Right? At the primary states, they're going to have people go and they're going to vote at a polling station for their candidate and then they move on. If they're a Democrat, the Democrats are going to be having their primaries, the Republicans are going to be having their primaries in each of those states on the same day. I even think in some states the Libertarians have a primary even though it's a non-binding primary. So what's going to happen is with those, they actually go and they vote, and then they tally the votes, and then whoever wins, wins. With caucuses, it's a little bit different. I think everyone just kind of like goes to a caucus location, and they all sit in there, and they'll argue things out and duke, duke things out back and forth and have conversations about things, and then they just have people raise their hand. Who's going to vote for Bernie Sanders? And people raise their hand. And I think if no one gets 20% or more, is what I read, if no one gets 20% or more of the vote, then people start fighting back and forth on who's going to uh, give up votes. Like, is, is if, if Bernie Sanders gets 18, Elizabeth Warren gets 18, um, Joe Biden gets 18%, and someone else gets 15%, and then everyone else has below, you know, 1%, 2 3%, then they're going to take those four people and they're going to make arguments to see who's going to get the votes from the people that did not get more than like 2 or 3%, or people, they try to change those minds to vote for their person. It's very unscientific. It's not really, it doesn't seem like the most, uh, I guess the best way to do it, but I, it works in Iowa and they continue to do it. It's like a big deal every single time. They're the first, first state to have a so-called primary and it's a caucus. And then you have New Hampshire, so that, that's what will happen after New Hampshire. A week later, we'll have New Hampshire, a week from now. And then you go on to South Carolina, Nevada, and then from there it's on, right? And I was looking at the different polls that are going on. It seems like in Iowa, it's a statistical dead heat, really between Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, and Pete Buttigieg. It really is. And then New Hampshire, it's really... Bernie Sanders is kind of blowing everybody out of the water. You had a lot of people that were voting for 
that were saying they're going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. You had a lot of people that were saying they were going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Well, a lot of Elizabeth Warren's support has gone towards Bernie Sanders now. Now, keep this in mind, though, because there's no way to really scientifically say who's going to win beforehand. We know that with, obviously, with Donald Trump. Last election, when he beat Hillary Clinton, no one expected that. But in Iowa, I was looking at some of the polls, and 46, 47% of people still say that they would change their mind about who they're going to vote for on election day, on the day of the caucus. So these are people that are just completely indecisive about who they're going to vote for. They haven't made up their mind. And they're going to be going to, the, to those polling, or to the caucuses, and they're going to be making the decision on who they're going to vote for, basically right there on the spot. Basically right there on the spot. I have never met people that are that indecisive before. Like, you always hear about it, especially when it's the Republican versus the Democrat, and you're always hearing people... Oh yeah, I'm going to vote for the Republican, I'm going to vote for the Democrat. And like, there's people that are in between, there's people that are not going to vote at all, or people are going to vote for the Libertarian. But they always say, like, there's 45, 50% of people that really haven't made up their mind yet on who they're going to vote for over Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Now that might be the case, that people haven't made up their mind in that particular election, but in some of these elections, when it's like Mitt Romney versus... Barack Obama, I mean, Barack Obama has made his has made his case for the last four years whether you're going to vote for him or not. Mitt Romney, I think he ran in 2008 as well. So if you didn't know who you're going to vote for at that point, or if you're not going to vote, but people that are that indecisive, I don't, I don't know that I've ever met people that are very indecisive about things like that, but I guess they must, must be the silent people that just vote based upon feelings or something like how they feel about that candidate that day or not. And I'm sure there's lots of people that are out there like that. People that vote based upon someone's looks. Oh, he looks better. Oh, he looks nicer. Oh, he sounds better. Oh, I like his, what he said about this or what, what he said about that. I guess there are people out there that like that, man. I just, everyone I know is like pretty decisive on who they're going to vote for in, in 2020 already. Like I live in South Carolina, so most people you meet they're going to vote for Donald Trump. And then you got other people that, you know, they're going to vote in the South Carolina primary for Democrats. I don't know. I don't meet a lot of Democrats in South Carolina, though. That's just the way that it is. But um, I guess, you know, I guess we'll see what happens in South Carolina as well. But yeah, you got the caucuses coming up. You got a lot of people that are going to make a game day decision, essentially. And that'll be interesting to see what happens on that game day decision this afternoon, this evening, as they start totaling up those votes and stuff. So um, keep an eye on that stuff. That'll be interesting to watch. Right now, like I said earlier, it's a statistical dead heat between Biden, Buttigieg, and uh, and Bernie Sanders. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. It is There is a statistic that says like the last four people who won the Iowa caucus on the Democrat ticket won the won the elect or won the the nomination for their party. So Hillary Clinton obviously won Iowa in twenty sixteen. Barack Obama won Iowa in twenty twelve and two thousand eight, I would imagine. I would imagine he won it in two thousand twelve, obviously. Um because no one was running against him. So maybe they didn't even have an Iowa caucus at that time. So maybe it would have been 
let's see. So you go back. You got Hillary Clinton won Iowa in 2016. You got Barack Obama who won it in 2008. Then you would have had um, crap. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, yeah. So I mean, 2004 and then 2000 with the vice president Al Gore, which obviously he was probably ran relatively uncontested as well. So that's not really saying too much. Uh, anyone, it's anyone's race at this point. But uh, between those three, you got. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and uh, Pete Buttigieg. I think those are the top three candidates right now. Really, it's kind of a race between Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden, though. Joe Biden has not fallen in the polls. He's pretty much stayed strong at around 20 25%, sometimes 30% in some of these polls. Nationally, he's doing super strong. So most likely, he's probably going to get the nomination. I even read an article earlier this week, or over the weekend, that said that the Democrats were kind of messing around with their uh, nomination process now to make sure that Bernie Sanders does not get the nomination. They want to make sure that they get somebody in that can beat Donald Trump, and they're worried about Bernie Sanders like they were in 2016. They're worried about him again. He's a loose cannon. He's not the person that's going to really do exactly what the party says, and they want to make sure that's the case. But the rules are already kind of rigged in favor of whoever the party wants anyway, because I think that they have what are called super delegates. So with the primaries that are happening, each state is going to be awarded a certain number of delegates. So let's say there's a total of 500 delegates across the entire United States. Well, they have what are called super delegates, and I think they have more super delegates than they have regular delegates. The super delegates are nominated by the party the people that are uh, in the party rather than by the people. So if you have 500 superdelegates who are all going to vote in unison for Joe Biden, I don't care how many votes Bernie Sanders gets, how many people choose Bernie Sanders, they can go ahead and make sure that he is not the nominee. And that would probably ruin the party. I would say if that happened, because a lot of those people that voted for Bernie Sanders that love him would probably just say, you know what, we're going straight for the the Democrat Socialist Party or something, and and they'd move over to that party because the Democrats would have pulled some crazy BS again against Bernie Sanders like they did in 2016. But um, it's the same problem that the Republicans had in 2016, though, when Donald Trump was running. Like everyone thought to themselves. Like there was the never Trumpers out there, and everyone was freaked out that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee uh, because he wasn't really, he wasn't in the swamp, he wasn't a part of the party establishment, and he was a loose cannon, kind of like Bernie Sanders. And the Republicans stepped up and supported what the people said about you know who the nominee would be, and ended up being uh, Donald Trump, as you guys know. Uh, And then he ended up winning the presidency, which no one expected that as well. And a lot of the never-Trumpers, a lot of the people that were in that, you know, in the national convention, they probably were saying, you know, Donald Trump can't be elected and da-da-da-da. But you know what? He had a movement behind him and he won. And so does Bernie Sanders. He has a huge movement behind him. So um, if he ends up getting the nomination, you definitely will see that uh, the the. Democratic Party try to, you know, rally against him, but in the end, will they do what's right in that sense uh, for their constituents? Who knows? Uh, but they might. I mean, but, you know, past 
past uh, past kind of dictates what happens in the present and in the future and the democrat party will like they did in 2016 they'll probably try to figure a way to fix it though and rig it so uh, that'll be interesting to see but that's what's happening today guys you got the uh, iowa caucuses that's what i'll be ta- that's what all i was really going to talk about today as well um i've noticed a couple of polls going around and stuff and for the libertarian party these little unscientific facebook polls and everything and uh, it seems like Jacob Hornberger and uh, Vermin Supreme are kind of like the two top top dogs right now. Uh, and I just think it's very hilarious that you have Vermin Supreme, the guy that wears a boot on his head, as the number two guy. He is, I think I brought this up the other day as well, he is a um, like kind of like a joke candidate, right? Someone that actually mentioned it to me, I said, it's surprising to me, I said on like a Facebook post, I said, it's surprising to me that... Uh, or what really surprises me is that there's a guy with a boot on his head that is number that is winning a uh, one of these polls, and someone says, "Well, it's not really the boot, or the really the guy. The boot is running for president. The guy is just the carrier of the boot, or something like that." It was really strange, but maybe that is what he's going to bat as. He's also promising like free ponies, everybody. It's more sarcasm. It's more. Um, it's more just for the joke to show people, he, like his goal is to kind of let the system be what it is and let people see the system for what it is, which is a joke. Um, I just don't know that the National Party is the place to do that because a lot of people do not take humor very well. Um, I mean, I don't take humor very well in that sense. I think that the Demo- or the uh, Democrats are going to line up somebody that's supposed to be a serious candidate. The Republicans are trying to do the same thing as well. And we do have a national stage, guys. We have a national stage. It's going to be a 50-state tour for whoever is the Rep- or the Libertarian nominee. Whoever that is, they're not going to win. Don't get it through your head thinking that they're going to win because they're not. They're not going to even stand a chance. They probably won't even get as many votes as... Um, as Gary Johnson got in 2016. But that was, an, that was an anomaly, right? That was something that normally will not happen to get as many votes as Gary Johnson does. The Libertarian Party has never gotten that many votes in the past, and it was 1980 since the last time that they had, like, a record year, you know? So, I mean, it was like 25, what is it, almost 35 years, or almost 40 years, yeah. Almost 40 years, uh between one record to the next record. So uh, 1980 was the, the record. I think they got like a million something votes, and then they got like 4 million votes in 20, uh, 2020, or 2016. So it's not going to happen. So the best thing we can do is put somebody up there that can be a great spokesperson for the Libertarian Party, great spokesperson for liberty, be someone that can really get out there and challenge people's ideas about their government, their current government, the way that Ron Paul did it in 2008 and in 2012. Have somebody that will speak the truth, unrepentantly speak the truth about our government and its, you know, the weaknesses of having this huge centralized state that we have. The weaknesses of having, you know, a monopoly on the money supply through the Federal Reserve the weaknesses of having a interventionist foreign policy. We need someone that's going to be that kind of spokesperson that can be taken seriously in a one-on-one interview with somebody on CNN or on Fox News because 
that's how we get our message out there. That's how we get our message out there. This is like every once every four years, libertarians have a shot to get our message out there. And I don't know that I want Fox News coming and interviewing Vermin Supreme with a boot on his head. And the first question they ask is, well, why do you wear a boot on your head? You know, like the first question they ask is, well, weren't you on, you know, one of those, uh, what was this, Maury Povich or something like that back in the 80s? Tell me about that. Like, those are things that they're going to be asking them. It's not going to be focused on the libertarian movement. It's not going to be focused on the libertarian party. It's not going to be focused on liberty. It'll be focused on the man himself. And we had that problem with Gary Johnson. It got focused on the man, the person who he was. The cult of personality, which he doesn't have very much personality at all. But he was a governor. He was somebody that is a legitimate sounding name for the libertarian movement. And they caught him in all kinds of stupid things and they got him to say stupid crap. But that's what we need. We need to focus in on a candidate like, you know, that's going to be a positive messenger for the liberty, for the libertarian movement, for human liberty. If we could do that, I don't know who it's going to be. I've heard Jacob Holmberger speak. The guy does sound a lot like Ron Paul when he talks, like he really understands his stuff. He really understands liberty and human freedom. So he could be a good one. But then there's other people that are running as well that I feel like have a lot of strengths also. Dan, taxationist stuff, Berman. Like, if you listen to him talk, same thing. He really understands liberty. He really understands human freedom. So he might be a good messenger as well. Lincoln Chafee. I've spoken about him a little bit also. I mean, he's a <clears throat> he's an ex-governor. He was an independent. He was a Republican, so forth. Everyone says he's terrible on gun rights. I don't know. I think that he does support the Second Amendment. But I'm not sure exactly where he stands on those things. Who knows? He has a record to stand on in Rhode Island, so if he made mistakes or if he you know, did things that are unlibertarian, a lot of times when a state passes something, the governor has a lot of, you know, not as much say in how things get passed in the first place. So I don't know uh, too much about Lincoln Chafee's voting record as a Republican or as a independent governor of, of uh, Rhode Island, but he could have legitimacy maybe if he's a good messenger of liberty, then maybe we should support him if he's a good messenger of liberty. Not... He agrees with everything that I believe in because he probably is not a Rothbardian libertarian. (laughs) He's probably not a follower of Ludwig von Mises. He's probably not somebody that understands economics from that Austrian school perspective. He might be. But he might have more of a Randian flair. You know, most people that are libertarians came to it through Ayn Rand and reading Atlas Shrugged, you know, believes in human freedom in some way, believes that government should be limited. 
And that's good enough. Limited government, that's good enough for a start. We need to argue limited government. We need to argue limiting the military, limiting the Department of Education, limiting welfare, limiting Social Security, limiting the government handouts, limiting taxes. If we have those arguments, at least we're heading in the right direction, right? And if you could make those arguments clearly, and you could debate those arguments with people and win those arguments, win those debates, get people to understand liberty and freedom, then we're moving down the right track. And that's what I'm looking for in the candidate. So I don't, su- I don't support any specific person right now on the libertarian ticket. I definitely don't support any of the Republicans or Democrats. Like, that's just the way I'm, I'm, I won't be voting for a Republican or Democrat. I can say that for 110%. But we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, guys. Keep on, you know, keep an eye out. You know, Thursday I'll talk about the caucuses and, and let you guys know how they went. Uh, you'll have heard heard about it by then, I'm sure. Uh, also, with the the impeachment trial, that should be over on Wednesday now. They're going to do like a final vote, supposedly, uh, and then get this thing out of here. And then uh, from there, you know, we'll see how the elections go for the president as well. And uh, But guys, if you haven't done it already, five-star ratings and reviews are something that really helps out. If you want to give me one, I'd appreciate that. Uh, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple, iTunes, as well as uh, any of the other catchers, Apple, or, you know, podcatchers that you might be listening through as well, okay? And then uh, com. if you want to check me out on Facebook and on Twitter, you can type in Empire also. And then keep on coming back, though, every Monday and Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.